0: Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. With April Elliot Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is August 2nd, 2021. And here with me, as she enters a new decade, is my friend, astrologer April Elliot Kent.
1: Happy birthday, April! Thank you, Jen. I hope that wasn't a secret. No, gosh, no. I have no secrets <laughs> after you know, 20 years on the internet or something. There are no secrets left. Great. Yes, on August 5th, I will be turning, drum roll please, 60. 60. <laughs> Woohoo! Happy solar return. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I am having my birthday, which means, of course, I am having my solar return. And we went into extensive detail about solar return charts this time last year in episode 37 full moon and Aquarius, and many happy solar returns. So we would like to direct our listeners back to that episode because we talked at length about what a solar return is, how it's calculated, how to interpret the chart, and how to get your own solar return chart. Rather than recapping that, we could take just a little sneak preview at my solar return chart, Jen. Let's do it. Yeah. What do you see in your chart when you look at it? Well, the important thing always is to look at the house placement of the sun in the solar return chart, and mine is in the third house this year, which is opposite where it usually lives in my ninth house. The sun in the third house is great for doing all the things my Gemini moon normally loves to do, like write, read, communicate... I will be doing some teaching this year, and I think that's shown by the Sun in the third house, because I'll be doing some astrology teaching that's a little less advanced, so that's definitely in the realm of the third house, and that Sun is opposed Saturn in the ninth house, and I have been feeling the Sun was Saturn for some time now. How so? I just feel a little bit blocked, and you can be a little fearful with Saturn, that I'm starting this new project, I'm excited about it, but I'm also kind of nervous about it. feel a little bit blocked in getting going with it. That makes sense. That's how that one works. So those are the most important features. Mercury is very strong in the chart as well. It's right on the fourth house cusp, and it rules the ascendant of the chart. And Mercury again is about writing, speaking, teaching all the things I normally do. So it looks like a good year for April to do the things that she normally does. And there's Jupiter in the 10th house in Aquarius at 29 degrees, which I don't know exactly how to interpret it, but it looks good. Jupiter in the 10th seems good, yeah. Yeah. 10th is the house of career, reputation, visibility, these kinds of things. So having Jupiter there, the great benefic, feels very positive. Yeah, Jupiter is usually thought to bring good
0: things in general.
1: He brings good things to life. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe GE would like to sponsor the podcast. And bad things to your waistline. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm sort of excited about the solar return. I think it looks fun. Yeah. A lot of stuff in the fourth house. So I don't know what we'll do around the house this year, but there definitely have been some projects we've been putting off. So maybe it's time. Maybe it
0: is with Mars there. And I noted that your ascendant and descendant was kind of flipped
1: in this chart. It is, yes, because in my birth chart, I have Sag rising, and this one has Gemini rising. What do you make of that? Well, the first thing it does is bring my partner to the forefront, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's my seventh house that gets brought to the first house. So that takes on added significance this year, and saying that he'll probably have some things that he's wanting to do. and. I'll want to be helping him with those and being present for that. And Gemini is very natural for me. Again, I've got the moon in Gemini, so it feels kind of good to have that rising. In the chart, the moon's in the second house, so it's all about money, 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 or you know, more to the point, feeling more secure financially. That's what the moon in the second house wants. Sweet. That sounds good. Yeah. And it wants Cheetos, too, you know, Mm, and maybe other kinds of delicious snack foods with the moon in the second house. Or the organic, Mm -hmm. fancy ones that you like to eat. Barbaras.
0: Imaginary sponsor, Barbaras.
1: (laughs) Cheetos. Welcome, imaginary sponsor, Barbaras, who make delicious, organic snacks. We'll link in the show notes. (laughs) Sure we will. They're the official cheese puff of the Big Sky Astrology podcast. Well, speaking of the Big Sky Astrology Podcast, Jen. Yeah, what's going on with the Big Sky Astrology Podcast? Do tell. Well, we want to remind everyone that we're on a slightly lighter summer schedule. At least through August, we will continue to put out the podcast every other Monday instead of every Monday. Yes. And listeners are begging to hear our top hits of the (laughs) 1990s. (laughs) Listeners is plural. There were at least two. Yeah, exactly. There were at least two. (laughs) That's okay. We hear your groans in the background. We promise we won't do that. We will be sharing them with each other before we begin recording. But thanks to all of you for indulging us in our little walk down musical memory lane of the 1980s. Yeah, that was so fun. It really was. Mm -hmm. Loved it. And we'd like to remind you, you can go over to YouTube and we have a playlist there of all of the songs that we chose. So you can go over and have a listen. Yeah. And I'll
0: continue to link that in the show notes today. Terrific. Speaking of today's podcast, we are getting our feet under us as we figure out this every two week schedule. So this week, we're going to try splitting the episode into two halves. The first part of the podcast, we'll talk about what's happening week one. And the second part of the podcast, we'll talk about what's happening in week two. I think that's very clever. Well, we are nothing if we're not clever.
1: (laughs) That is so, Jen. That is so. Well, what do we have coming up first in the week that begins with August 2nd? We have Uranus in the spotlight this week
0: from August 2nd to August 8th. Uranus is the planet of the unexpected. It's in the sign of Taurus, which tends to be, in general, it's not a big fan of change. Right, April? It's a little bit change-averse, I would
1: say. Yeah, as all fixed signs tend to be. What aspects should we break down for folks? Well, there are three that we're going to be looking at. One is Venus trine Uranus, which happens on August 2nd, 1153 p.m. Pacific time. So really, it's August 3rd, most every place except here on the West Coast. Also, we have Mercury squaring Uranus on August 3rd at 6.57 p.m. And then we have the sun, square Uranus, which is probably the most significant one of the week, on August 6th at 4.57 p.m. Pacific time. As you say, Uranus, the planet of changing things up a little bit, of excitement as well. It's almost like a party atmosphere. A little less so maybe with Uranus and Taurus, but still Uranus is Uranus. Yeah, Taurus's idea of a party is pretty much potato chips on the couch with Ted Lasso.
0: (laughs) That doesn't sound terrible.
1: No, it doesn't sound terrible at all. So basically, this is the spirit that's in the air, and these faster-moving planets are plugging into it, connecting with it. One of them, the Venus aspect, is a trine that's a harmonious aspect. Venus is generally concerned with love and relationships, with money, with luxury, pampering, these kinds of things. And when it's trine Uranus, we see these elements of excitement coming into our love life, perhaps. It could be connecting with somebody new. It can be re-energizing existing relationships. And when it comes to money, this could be an unexpected or new source of income, perhaps. And Uranus also likes freedom. And that's very relevant when we're talking about relationships and Venus. The difficulty, as we've talked about before, is Venus really wants to relate and Uranus really wants to have its space. So when the two are coming together, this says, because it's a trine, there's a good balance between them. It's the ability to have fun, a little bit of breathing room, but still have the time with people that we really want to have. Venus is going through Virgo, you know, we want to remind you. And that means, generally speaking, people like a little more alone time when Venus is in Virgo, because it's a more solitary kind of sign. Yeah. Well, and Venus rules Uranus in Taurus. Doesn't it ever. Yeah. So she's... Given him the what for. <laughs> Given him what for. <laughs> but Mercury and the Sun will square Uranus, which is a different kind of energy. It's change or else is the dictate when you have a square with Uranus. These are pretty quick aspects. So these aren't necessarily permanent changes unless they're triggering a bigger Uranus transit in your own birth chart. But Mercury square Uranus on the third tends to disrupt our thought patterns and our routines. That's not necessarily a bad thing, especially with Mercury and Leo, which tends to get a little fixed. It can probably benefit from having a little bit of a disruption in what it is doing. So this is just be willing around the third. Think, how can I change up my daily routine in small ways? And how can I change the way I'm thinking and looking at things? Just being willing to entertain a new point of view. And then the sun squaring Uranus on August 6th is about our sense of self, our pride in a negative sense, hubris, you know, standing in our own positions and really celebrating who we are, which is not a bad thing. But as it squares Uranus, the idea is don't take yourself quite so seriously and be willing to change who you are a little bit. Don't be so married to your narrative about who you are. Sun square Uranus gives us liberation from the self, ideally. If there are things about yourself that have gotten a little old to you, it's like, oh gosh, do I really still have to be that person? day after day, year after year. Uranus says, well, no, you don't. This is one of two times of year where you really get an opportunity to examine that and decide to go in a slightly different direction. I also made a note to myself here that says pride goeth before the fall. (laughs) So pride is the sun and Uranus is the fall. So don't be a little too uh, full of yourself because Uranus will have a way, especially in Taurus, of bringing you down to
0: earth. This must be in your solar return chart then.
1: Oh, thank you, Jen. Yes, I hadn't <laughs> thought of that. You're quite right. Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I saw the date, August 6th. <laughs> and you knew. about I thought, hey, yeah. your birthday's the day before. It was. Well, I have that T-square <laughs> in the solar return chart of the Sun opposed post-Saturn square Uranus. Mm-hmm. And we're all dealing with Saturn Uranus this year, which is about the Saturn is like the authority, you know, being an authority and all of that. And having your little rules and your little boundaries that keep you safe. And Uranus saying, no, you know, let's change those up a little bit. Yeah, so this is kind of like part two from last week when
0: these planets did oppose Saturn, as you're saying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what that did was it can feel like the constraints are really tightening, tightening, tightening. And suddenly Uranus goes kaboom and just has got to get free from that. That's the overall nature of this week is Uranian.
0: Are there ways that people can work with Uranian energy in a way that
1: can be helpful? I think cooperate with the dictate for change. And what I usually will tell my clients if we're going through a big Uranian transit, for instance, is how can you change small things? Because that will condition you to the habit of change. It doesn't have to be in big things. It could be for Jen changing the brand of her fizzy water. What? I know you're a fan of imaginary sponsor LaCroix. We're just putting out the imaginary sponsorships <laughs> right and left in this episode so far. If you build it, they will come. I
0: like it. I like it, April.
1: But it may mean switching ever so briefly to my imaginary sponsor, Sam Pellegrino. Yes. So it's just a question of doing small things in a different way. And opening yourself to change. But you can feel how we resist very often, especially in our most unconscious little lunar habits, what we like to eat, where we like to sit, what we like to wear, the things that comfort us. Those can be the most challenging things to shake up. And if you say to somebody, Well, maybe try this thing instead of this thing, and you can just feel the resistance. That's the Saturn. But with Uranus, just invite him to the party is all he asks. So I think that's probably the happiest way to cope with a week like this one. Very good. Jen, do you know what time it is? What time is it? It's time for moon watch. That's so high. <laughs> so high only dogs could hear. <laughs> Jack Bear, moon watch. <laughs> Play it. <laughs> Yes, friends, it's time for Moonwatch. And we began this Moonwatch segment, this double-wide Moonwatch segment, with a new moon in Leo. Leo. On August 8th (laughs) at 6.50 a.m. Pacific time at 16 degrees and 14 minutes of Leo. Leo. (laughs) New moons. New moons are always great. Tell us about what the energy of a new moon is generally, Jen.
0: Oh, I didn't know there'd be a quiz. (laughs) The new moon is the beginning of a lunar cycle. It's a time in the lunar cycle to plant your seeds of intention. We don't know what they will grow into yet, but you might have some ideas. Perhaps you would like to express some creativity or generosity or be open-hearted. All of the best Leo new moon characteristics, wouldn't you say?
1: I love that. Yes. It's the one new moon of the year that is just made for creative intention. You know, I do hear a lot from clients about wanting to do more with their creativity. They're living a life where it feels that they don't have an opportunity to share themselves in an authentic way, in a creative way. And the Leo new moon such a wonderful time, especially this one, which as we talked about is connected to that transiting Saturn and Uranus square, because it represents this struggle to get unstuck from the kinds of situations we've built for ourselves that don't encourage joy or creativity. That says a little bit about the nature of the intentions to set for this particular new moon. It begins a lunar phase family cycle, as all new moons do which means over the next two and a half years, there'll be a series of lunar phases around this same degree, near 16 degrees of Leo, that will help play out these intentions over a two and a half year period. The first quarter one will be in May of 2022, the full moon in February of 2023, and then it begins winding down with the last quarter in November 2023. So this says, think big now, And think of what you truly have to offer in a joyful and loving way to the world. And know that it's going to take a while for it to all unfold. It's not all going to come together in a month. But you can put the energy out there and say, ideally, I'd like to do more of this. Because when I do this, I shine and I feel alive and my heart is open. Joy. Yeah. Joy, joy, joy. Joy, joy, joy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what house is this in in your chart, Yeah,
0: It's in my ninth house close to my MC,
1: Ooh. the highest point in my chart for beginners. That sounds fun. What do we think of that? Well, the ninth house, it's about learning things. It's about sharing knowledge. It's about travel. It is about thinking big thoughts and getting clear on what the meaning of life is for you. Yeah. It's in your ninth too? Yes. It's where I live my life (laughs) 24-7 is the ninth house. What is possible? How can life be bigger? Good luck with that, my friend, for this new moon. You too. Venus is also opposed Neptune and trine Pluto in this chart for the new moon. So this can be new starts with relationship developments, for instance. Venus opposed Neptune. It's the ongoing. We'll talk about this a little bit more in the next segment, but it's a little bit that tension between Virgo and Neptune of discernment versus just letting things be as they are. That could be some tension in relationships. And Venus trying Pluto it's actually not so bad. It's kind of like an opportunity to take a relationship to new depths, to a new level of commitment, which I think is kind of nice. That is very nice. Any other thoughts that you have about the new moon, Jen? I do notice
0: that Mars is squaring the nodes in this new
1: moon chart. What do you make of that?
0: Well, what I've heard about planets squaring the nodes is that it's like a choice point. Mm -hmm. And that the cosmic imperative is to reach towards the north node, which is the path of curiosity and open-mindedness, versus staying stuck in your own judgmental beliefs. That's what I would say about it.
1: I would agree with that. And I think that furthermore, the fact that it's Mars says it usually comes as a little bit of a kick in the pants to motivate you to do it. Something makes you sufficiently uncomfortable in the part of you that it feels like it's very certain about everything. Mm -hmm. And it kicks you out of that and towards the north. node. it says, well, gee, I guess I better see what other people think. Get some more details and information. And is it a double moon watch? It's two, 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 <laughs> two moon, moon watches at once. And this works perfectly because one is in the first week and one is in the second week. So now we're going to take a look really at the aspects beginning the week of August 9th. We're going to begin with the Scorpio first quarter moon, which is towards the end of the week. But, you know, we don't want to sing Moonwatch twice.
0: Yeah, it's on Sunday, but we'll bring it in here.
1: Yes, that's on August 15th at 8.19 a.m. Pacific Time, 23 degrees exactly of Scorpio and Leo. You don't see that very often. Well, you don't. And I actually hadn't seen this particular Sabian symbol in living memory. 23 Scorpio, a bunny metamorphosed into a fairy. Wow. I don't know what to make of it, but I find it absolutely delightful. It's strange. (laughs) It's a strange one. It is a little bit. My neighbor is having um, bunny issues. Oh, dear. In her yard, as in too many bunnies in her yard. Well, yes, they are performing particular essential biological processes that are resulting in a discoloration of the lawn. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going a different direction with that. Well, I was not. (laughs) But Scorpio can be a destructive sign, and maybe it's sort of a little message there that grass is not exactly what should be growing there. Maybe. Because metamorphosed into a fairy says, okay, well, let's say that the bunny is this destructive little creature. It's in Scorpio. But metamorphosis, again, the transformation, some cute but destructive little element in your life can actually probably be a good thing if you're willing to do the work of transforming.
0: What's funny about that sign is I don't think of bunnies as needing to really change into anything else. I mean, it's not a dragon changing into a fairy.
1: No, think of a magician. Think of a magician that pulls a rabbit out of a hat. Magical. All right. That's better than the bunnies peeing on the grass. I like that, pulling it out of a hat. It's very magical. I always think of magicians as being a Scorpio thing. So that's a bit of a clue for us for our first quarter moon what this first quarter moon is doing is bringing the Leo new moon matters from last week to a critical moment that requires action. That's the job of a first quarter moon. So this says, okay, right now we have this desire to really put out a lot of Leo creativity and spirit and energy, but we're a bit blocked in that by Saturn opposed the sun. And when we try to do it. It's like the rug gets pulled out from under us with Uranus. This is the moment in that cycle to make some kind of action towards our creative goals. And this introduces the element of magical thinking of if you can't get any place in a straightforward way. And I think we might have even talked about this in our last episode to think, how can I do it magically? How can I Take my concerns to the invisible (laughs) and say, help me get somewhere with this, because it's seemingly impossible because of the blockages to the sun. And rather than two and a half years of the lunar phase family unfolding from that new moon and resulting in frustrations and getting off course, this is a way to say instead of just pushing, pushing, pushing to get what we want, how can we do it magically?
0: That's quite nice because it's very light and Scorpio can feel heavy sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I like how that's feeling a little more just letting go maybe, which is a Scorpio thing for sure.
1: Yeah. It's a nice way to think of that old buzzword for Scorpio, which is transformation. And when you think of a magician doing it, well, it's a trick really. It's not actually changing into something else. But sometimes just thinking that it is, is enough. This first quarter moon is part of a lunar phase family that began at the November 14th, 2020 new moon, just last fall. So it's a time also to take action on matters that we envisioned or initiated at that time. If you can think back to then and what you might have been doing. What were you doing back then? I think it was just working, 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 working. Oh, it was around the time of the election, I guess. It was just after the election. Oh, yeah, it sure was. Because that was in early November. I remember doing some classes and a lot of stuff then. Right, right. Anything else you
0: have on the first quarter moon? Just that if people want to hear about all eight lunar phases, they can revisit episode 34. The eight lunar phases, have them with a salad.
1: (laughs) And you were just referring people to that because you love that title and that (laughs) artwork.
0: (laughs) It's a good one. It is a Getty. The tomatoes are moons.
1: It's very fun. (laughs) I felt very happy with that one. As you should have. Thank you. And then this week, whereas Uranus was the big player last week, for the second week, we've really got Mercury and Venus doing a lot of stuff. They both move really quickly. Probably the biggest things that they're doing this week is both of them are changing signs. Mercury is entering Virgo on August 11th at 2.57 p.m. Pacific. It'll be there through August 29th. And Venus will enter Libra on August 15th, 9.27 p.m. Pacific time through September 10th. So Mercury represents the way we communicate and the way others would like to be communicated with. So it's why it's valuable to watch it moving through the skies is not only a cue to how to express yourself more effectively, but also how others will understand you better if you use this language. I have the great privilege of working closely with someone who has Mercury in Virgo. Jen, how should we be communicating with one another through August 29th with Mercury in Virgo? What does it want? I think of checklists. I have a lot of checklists in my life, Mm -hmm. which we talked about last week.
0: I think we talked about checklists. We always talk
1: about checklists. I
0: mean, (laughs) who doesn't love a checklist?
1: (laughs) They're the best. Somebody who has Mercury and Pisces, maybe. That's right, right. (laughs) So you like things to be sequential. You like them to be orderly.
0: I do. Mm -hmm.
1: Mercury and Virgo, I think, too, really likes information that's practical and useful. That resonates for sure. It's less the great big picture philosophical things. I mean, You may have other things, you know, in your chart, obviously, that make you like that stuff too. But just speaking of Mercury and Virgo, it is really the three weeks to get organized. And boy, I came really close to getting rid of that box of paper that I want to take to the shredders. Haven't quite gotten there yet.
0: Maybe when Mercury gets into Virgo, you will. Maybe.
1: Yeah, that would be perfect.
0: Yeah, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Well, earlier you mentioned that our friend Venus also makes some aspects this week, the second week of the podcast. Tell us about that, April.
1: Venus opposes Neptune on August 9th at 5.20 p.m. Pacific time. Right smack on my Mars because it's all about me. It is my solar Mm. return week. Yes. 22 degrees, 41 minutes of Virgo and Pisces. Let's just take the idea of Venus with Neptune. Venus is what we love, what brings us pleasure, things that are very gratifying to the senses. Neptune is also about love. It is less on the earthly plane and more on the spiritual plane. I think anytime we see Venus and Neptune coming together, it's a question of elevating that Venus to a little bit higher level, taking it from its Earth-bound existence and up into a little bit of a Neptunian place, ideally. It's also about getting clarity in matters of relationship and money and values and all of those things we associate with Venus. When planets are in opposition, they're going towards the same central goal, but approaching it from radically different points of view. When planets are in opposition, they're trying to find that sweet spot. So there's a sweet spot between enjoying things of the earth mm-hmm. <laughs> with Venus and celebrating things of the spirit. It's finding an ice in between there. They're on a seesaw. Yeah, and Venus and Virgo is very much about, okay, now I will buy this thing and this thing and this thing, and they will go in a particular configuration, and they fit with this thing in my house or that thing in my house, whatever it is. Venus and Virgo is very particular about what it likes and how it's going to set things up, and Neptune's like, no, let's just kind of slap things together, and I'll bet they'll just go together great. (laughs) Let's just feel our way around. (laughs) Let's just feel our way around. Venus and Virgo likes everything to be very tidy. Neptune is like every horizontal surface in the house is covered with something and stuff and brick and brac So there's that tension. You don't want things to be too sterile, which Venus and Virgo can get a little bit too minimalist, I think, really. And Neptune wants to come in and soften the edges a little bit and bring in some whimsy and some color and some fun and all of that. But if you leave Neptune and Pisces to its own devices, you'll never be able to find anything because there's no order whatsoever. (laughs) So the two, as we see, can benefit from one another. Now, Venus trine Pluto on August 11th at 3.45 p.m. Pacific time at 24 degrees and 58 minutes of Virgo. We talked a little bit about this before. But again, it's an opportunity to take relationships to a different level of intimacy, and it can also be about exploring the extent to which the things that you have or want are congruent with who you really are. This can also have to do with how you present yourself physically. Sometimes when Venus is an aspect of Pluto, you see people make a little bit of a change in their appearance or something like that. Because Venus can be about appearance. Is that right? Yeah. And Pluto is, let's take this deeper. Is this really me? It's like getting a new hairdo and going, oh, no, that doesn't look like me at all. Or getting one and saying, yes, that's who I've been all along under that wrong hairdo. (laughs) And now I look like me. Mm -hmm. So it's doing things. It's being with people. It's presenting yourself. It's purchasing things that are like you that are in integrity with what you really want and who you really are. I like that. And finally, Venus is entering Libra. Libra. (laughs) It's very even. Libra likes having a song. Yeah, it's a thing. On August 15th at 9.27 p.m. Pacific time. Libra has an even song. (laughs) A very one-note samba. (laughs) And it will be there through September 10th. Venus in Libra in her own sign. That's so great. I'm excited about that. It sounds delicious. It sounds delectable. Because, of course, Jen, you have a lot of planets in Venus world signs. So the sign of transiting Venus has quite a lot to say about how you'll experience this period of time. Yeah. Going
0: from Virgo into Libra means going from perhaps an attitude of service to an attitude of equality in relationships, mm-hmm. from focusing on what you can touch and hold, which is very much an earth quality in Virgo, to air, which is very much about communication and ideas, and Libra is very much about networking. Yeah, a meeting of
1: the minds, mm-hmm. Venus and Libra. It's a big change, as we can see. Venus and Libra is very strong. Wants things to be fair, wants things to be equal, wants things to be pretty, Now, Venus being in Libra is, you know, it's got its good aspects and its difficult aspects while it'll be in the sign. A big plus is it's going to trine Saturn, which we'll talk about when we get closer to that. That'll be nice. Yeah, that's something to look forward to. And it trines Jupiter actually while it's in Libra. So it's got some good road ahead of it.
0: I'll take it. I'll take that, Venus and Libra.
1: I'll take it, too. Yeah, we all can. Sounds nice. My friend, we have made it to the end of yet another show sheet. Have we done it? So much to talk about in two weeks. Yes, we've done it. Is this episode 90? This
0: is episode 90. (gasps) It's an episode with a zero at the end of it. Oh, my gosh, it's
1: pivotal. (sighs) Well, our friends, we thank you for listening to... 90 episodes of the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. Yes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to follow us, rate, or review. And please help us spread the word. Tell a friend. Share us on social media. You can read the show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each and every episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com.
0: We are so grateful to everyone who's shown support over the last year. Each week, as you know, we thank some of you by name. Who do we have this week, pal?
1: This week, we are giving a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout-out to Kathy Sullivan Thompson, Elizabeth Rojas, and Tina Lichtwart. Yay! (laughs) Should that have been Lichtwart? I don't know, but
0: people might be getting their bingo cards out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You spent time in Germany. I figured maybe you'd have some insight into that. Kathy, Elizabeth, and Tina, we appreciate you. And we thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for supporting us with your donations.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can always make a contribution at our website, bigskyastropod.com. We are a small independent podcast. We do rely on your support. If you donate $5 or more, we'll send you our most recent cancer solstice episode and our bingo card.
1: Yes, which you will (laughs) not want to be without a very valuable resource. Absolutely that is it for us this week. Now, friends, as we mentioned, we are taking a little time off this summer. We won't be gone altogether, but we are releasing episodes every two weeks instead of weekly. Our next episode will reach your eager and enthusiastic ears on Monday, August 16th. In the meantime, let's all get a little rest and relaxation. And remember, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars.